0: This is Southern New England's only home for Sporting News Radio, AM 1320, the Drive, WARL, Attleboro, Providence. Sporting News Radio.
1: It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution and Major League Soccer on WARL 1320 the Drive with your host,
2: Sean Donahue.
3: Welcome to Revolution Recap. We're here every Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m. reviewing the latest action of the New England Revolution in Major League Soccer on AM 1320 The Drive, as well as over the internet at 1320thedrive.com. Joining me today over the phone, we have Don Cuddy of Soccer365.com. Uh, and last night, the Revs had an incredible victory, 3-1 to over the Metro Stars. Fell down 2 to nothing on aggregate when the Metro Stars scored a, a goal in the 58th minute from Yuri Jerkyoff, uh, And then the Revs came back, Jose Cancela came in, scored a goal, sparked the attack, and um, and set up the corner kick that uh, Pat Noonan scored him to tie it up, and then Kano Smith, the other substitution in the game, scored the game-winning goal. So it was an excellent victory for the Rebs to come back through, and uh, now we know the Rebs are going to be playing Chicago Fire uh, at home next Sunday, uh, and that game will be Sunday at 3 o'clock p.m. on ESPN2, so that should be an excellent game. Uh, the first time the Rebs have been at home in the Eastern Conference Championship since 2002, and I'm sure they'll love the home field advantage. Uh, now, Don, can you hear me?
4: I am. I'm here. Thank you.
3: Uh, Obviously, the game last night, uh, the Reds fell down two to nothing. Uh, it seemed like they were in a bad situation that late in the game. Uh, were you ever expecting them to come back and win it three to one?
4: Well, I never lost hope, but uh, I think Steve summed it up best at the post-game when he said that uh, he didn't necessarily think that they were going to score three goals in the last half hour, but uh, he knew that they weren't going to uh, give up, and that's what they did. They just continued to play their game, and uh, I think that's really a reflection of Steve's philosophy because. Uh, Steve Nichol doesn't have a panic button, and I think uh, he's got the team playing the way he wants, and uh, they always—they think they can go out there and beat anybody, and on their day, they can. So uh, I think uh, it was a remarkable comeback, but uh, you know, we've seen the ravs do this over and over again this year. Look how many goals they've scored in the later stages of the game, so uh, it's like but the last time I was on your show I think it was the second show it was early in the season when they were on that early season roll and I was saying uh, it was a good time to be a Revolution fan and it's just gotten better since we've had some wonderful games I mean last night even if uh, you don't support either team if you just watch that game on TV that was some great entertainment there it was some great drama it was a roller coaster ride and uh, I think it was a real good advertisement for the development of the American game
3: yeah it was a great game the Revs were uh, I'm lucky not to have a lead earlier I thought uh Definitely a good call for a penalty kick when Pat Newton crossed it in and uh, hit Jeff Agus' arm. The linesman seemed to call it. Uh, and then the refs soon let it off. And then uh, down the other end, the next half, uh, Clint Dempsey had a shot off the post, and then they went right back, and Metro scored for Yuri Jerkyov. And it seemed like uh, it wasn't going in the ref's favor at that point. But the, the team, it really shows the team spirit that they stuck it up through all that and managed to come back and win it.
4: Yeah, well, I mean, there is a great team spirit because, uh Actually, after the post-game press conference, I was walking back to the locker room with Steve Nicol, and uh, I made an attempt to recruit him to coach the Irish national soccer team. As you know, they just fired coach Brian Kerr when they failed to make the World Cup uh, recently. But uh, Steve, of course, said uh, he wasn't interested in the job. Uh, he said to me, uh, oh, uh, I only know one man that can make uh, turn water into wine, you know, and uh, I'm not sure if I believe him either. So... Uh, when we walked into the locker room, Clint Dempsey was just coming out, and he looked like he was headed out on the town. But as soon as he saw Steve, he says to, he just yelled out, "Get away! Get away!" And then he threw his arms around Steve, and the two of them were like uh, the best friends, you know. So I think that's indic- indicative of the team spirit. So uh, this, this, this team is uh, playing really well; they're a good team, and I think uh, this could be the year.
3: And the game against Chicago, um, obviously the Rebs have had success against Chicago this season. Um, they have a, a 3-1-0 record against them, and the one month coming in the only game they missed Charlie Joseph, their team MVP this season, and they've scored six goals against Chicago compared to Chicago's one. Uh, how much better do you think the Rebs match up against Chicago than a team like D.C.? And do you think that that was probably the ideal matchup they could get going into this uh, Eastern Conference final?
4: Well, I—I I mean, I asked Showery last night in the, in the locker room. Uh, you know, who do you want to get next week? And he says, "We don't care who we get. We're at home, and teams know that it's hard to come to Foxborough and get a result." But uh having watched Chicago tonight, they're—they're they're definitely dangerous, uh, and uh, I mean, they've got some big men. That's the thing, especially the—the—the the, the, the two strike partners they have, uh, the rookie Rolf, who's an excellent player, and, and this other guy, uh, Jaqua. So. uh you know, our back line, our back three aren't particularly big or strong players, so I think the key will be to uh, try to get the ball from uh, going to those two guys. We need to win the midfield battle, and uh, also, when you're playing against big guys, you want to move the ball around quick, because you you got to take advantage of your better mobility, and when the revs are playing well, I think they're really good at the passing game, uh, so... One of the things I'd be looking for though, it'd be a decent day we want we want good field conditions. We want to be able to go out there and play the game the way the revs like to play it. And uh, obviously last night, the snow on the field, especially early on before the undersoil heater melted at all, That was a real factor that uh, helped the metros you know because we couldn't move the ball around the way we wanted to. So I think that's key next week is uh, you know be, be aware that these guys are going to be pumped up after such a big win today and such an unexpectedly easy one. I mean, D.C. didn't show up, but uh, the Fire really wanted it more, and they just out D.C., and D.C. were put off their game early, and they never really got going. So you know, when Chicago comes in, they're going to be full of confidence, but um, Steve's going to prepare the team. They're, like he said last night, you know, just because we have home-field advantage, we don't expect that we're just going to get a result because we're at home. We have to work for it. So... Uh, I think it's going to be a great game, so let's hope we get a good day for uh, the quality of play, and also you know get a decent crowd in there, which might have happened last night if it hadn't been such poor conditions.
3: It definitely should be an excellent game, and uh, as I mentioned earlier, the Revs have had a good record against Chicago this season. Um, uh, Chicago hasn't scored in the Revs at home. The Revs are two and zero against the Chicago at home, and uh, their only losses was without Shari Joseph on the road. So I, I think the Revs have matched up well with Chicago this season. Obviously, the playoffs is a completely different scenario, but. I think that bodes well for the Reds. Uh, whereas against DC, they had struggled kind of this season, and uh, only a 500 team against DC with a seven and six goal average there. So I, I think that that was probably the better, looking at the past results, probably the better team they could have gotten.
4: Yeah, well, I mean, we'll never know. But uh, what we do know is that uh, we're going to have to beat Chicago next week, and uh, we're going to have to play to our strengths and. Uh, Obviously, they're going to come right at us from the uh, well, first whistle and try to get physical with us and disrupt the flow of play, and uh, we we can uh, maybe not match them for physicality uh, in in the back, but uh, we've got some big guys ourselves in the middle of the field, and, uh, you know, we've got to hold on to the ball and uh, play it around, create some chances, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what the starting lineup is, assuming everybody is healthy, because we've had... Uh, some uh, good performances last night from the subs, and so Steve's going to be thinking uh, very carefully about uh, who he's going to put out there next week, especially uh, you know looking at the opposition. Uh, their guy tonight, uh, Chicago, uh, Ivor Guerrero, who plays on the left side, he had a wonderful game, scored two great goals, and uh, very very quick and skillful. In fact, uh, he's a guy I'd like to see playing for the Rebs. But... Uh, Jay Heaps will be ready for him. I think Jay Heaps will be able to play him a lot better than uh, D.C. were able to handle today. I think Jay is having a good year.
3: Well, I think D.C. also suffered a loss in that game, uh, losing for kind of Arapin just five minutes in and then subbing in Bobby Boswell, who had played well at the start of the season, but uh, really wasn't doing too well, and that's why he lost the starting spot to Airpin. And I think D.C. kind of, uh, that was part of the reason they lost that game, where they lost the consistency of the center back there. And then they got even further trouble when Christian Gomez was stupid enough to spit on a player and get himself ejected. So I think uh, they kind of got a little lucky in there uh, with the injury and the ejection as well. So uh, obviously it's good. To, they're coming in on a big win and they're going to be confident. But uh, I think the Reds are going to be ready for them the way the Reds have been playing and the, the comeback they had over the Metro Stars.
4: Yes, I mean, sure. I, uh, we're going to be ready for them. I, uh, I think that Steve Nickel knows We've played against them, We know what they're going to do, and we know what they're capable of, but uh, they're going to try and stop us from playing, and uh, I, th- I think we know how to uh, you know cater to that. and so uh, one of the things what i I'd like to see is be to start uh, Pepe. I think uh, not only did Pepe come in last night and basically save us, but uh, I think a player like him, is going to be key in the type of game that I'm expecting next week, which is you know Pepe is the guy who shows up in midfield open to receive a pass out of the back, something that DC didn't have today. Most of the DC players seem to be uh, hiding. There was no leadership there, and uh, if, you're, if you're a defender and you're you got the ball and uh, you look up, there's Pepe waiting for it, and you give it to him, and and he doesn't lose possession. He just so. You know, I've seen Pepe criticized for not scoring a lot of goals, but uh, Pepe's main contribution is to link play, and uh, I think that's going to be a real key factor next week. So I'd certainly like to see Pepe get in the starting spot over Daniel Hernandez.
3: Yeah, Kinsella, I thought, it an excellent game there. and was really a turning point in the game. Um, the other substitution who came in was uh, Cono Smith uh, for Marshall Leonard early in the game when Marshall Leonard went out, without, went out with an injury, and then Cono Smith scored the game winner. Uh, but he went out with an injury later in the game as well. Uh, as far as the left side, if those two are injured, who do you think might start there, or where do you think the line of change might be in that situation?
4: Uh, well, I, I, it's, it's hard to say, but um, I don't think that Kenny is as badly hurt as we'd feared when we saw them putting the gurney out on the field. And uh, he uh, I'm not sure what Marshall Leonard's condition is. Uh, obviously, if both of them are ruled out, then uh, they're going to have to go to the bench, and I would think uh, probably James Riley would probably get the nod there with Joey Francino continuing in the uh, captain's role at the back, but uh, let's hope that uh, you know, it doesn't come to that. I mean, not that James Riley uh, played very well last night, and uh, he's a hard-working player, and he has, has a bit of speed, and uh, he has a lot of enthusiasm, and he's got great fitness. So, um, you know, what we need, though, is uh, to have uh, 11 guys out there who know their job, and uh, Steve Nickel that's never a problem.
3: Yeah, definitely. The team has really looked uh, strong in these play- in this last playoff game last night and never really looked out of that game, even when they were down two goals and nothing. They kept plugging away. A team that really has never given up, given up all season. That's shown with uh, their 18 goals in the regular season after the 15th minute. I mean, after the 75th minute in the last 15 minutes of the game. Uh, so this game is really going to be a crucial game for the Revs coming up against Chicago at home, but how important is it that the team has this home field advantage, where the past two seasons we've seen them go into overtime and losing overtime and then losing penalty kicks to D.C., where they have the home fans behind them. In those situations, D.C. and Chicago have the home fans, and now this year the Reds finally have it in their favor.
4: Yeah, well, it's uh, basically a reward for their uh, season-long performances. Uh, They've earned that spot. It's not something they could have planned for, but uh, obviously everybody prefer to play the game at home where they're familiar and uh, they've got a good record there and for the visitors it's not much more intimidating to come in but uh, you know most of these guys in Chicago uh, I mean the home field advantage didn't help D.C. today not in the least so uh, I mean I, I don't think we can over uh, emphasize the home field advantage we, what we want to emphasize here is that uh, the Reds stick to the basics and do what they do well and uh you know, temperamentally, I think, uh, I mean, say that uh, Michael Parkhurst had been uh, injured in the fifth minute and we had to bring Avery John in, I mean, I don't think that uh, that would have affected the Reds as badly as, uh, you know, I, like the two uh, guys on ESPN2 where I watched the game today were, you know, I think they were overstating the importance of the loss of and uh, I mean, obviously you don't want to lose any starting player, but, uh, you know, Going to goal down in the first 10 minutes shouldn't be a deciding factor in a playoff game where there's so much at stake. And I think the Rebs uh, have the maturity to overcome setbacks, as we've seen last night.
3: Well, well I'm going to let you go in a second here, but uh, before I let you go, how do you, uh, wh- how can people access your articles? And I know you have stuff on Soccer365.com and 90 Minutes, but uh, what can people see um, from your writings and where can people get access to your articles?
4: Yeah, well, uh, 90 Minutes Soccer Magazine uh, has been... Uh, Putting in my stories, past three or four issues. Uh, this month's issue just came out. There's uh, a feature on Shalrie Joseph. Uh, I did uh, Matt Reese, and he'll be in the next issue. So, uh, 90 Minutes Soccer Magazine has a website. It doesn't have access to most of the uh, stories, but it'll give you an idea, and it'll probably also. You can usually get it at uh, specialty bookstores or uh, good newsstands. And uh, 365. Uh, haven't written for them for a couple of weeks now, so I don't have anything current. I might do one tonight on uh, the Revs' playoff chances. But uh, circus365.com is uh, quite good coverage of the American game and world game. And uh, 90 Minutes is a, a mon- national monthly magazine, and it uh, takes a little different approach. It's not just uh, about the players' form or the, the team's chances. It, tr- it tries to take a, a bigger view of the, the world game, with particular emphasis on the American game. So. Um, Proud to be associated with them and uh, quite excited about the future for that magazine.
3: Well, thanks a lot for joining us today.
4: Always a pleasure, Sean. I'll see you up there next Sunday. Yeah, hopefully that'll be a great game. Was, no doubt it'll be a great game. Let's hope we get the right result and go down to Dallas.
3: Well, uh, thanks a lot, Don, for joining us. And uh, now we have uh, the press conference uh, from last night of Steve Nickel and what he thought, what's his thoughts on of the game.
1: Well we certainly knew we wouldn't give up I couldn't lie to you and say well I knew we were going to win 3-2 on aggregate uh, but I certainly knew that we would keep plugging away and I knew that if we got a goal then we could put them under severe pressure and that's exactly what happened the, the guys that came on did a great job for us. You know, you know Pepe, Kenny, Jimmy Riley. You know, I've been saying all year that, that we've got some depth. And I think that, that showed tonight. You know, the three guys that came on, each one of them had a point to prove to me and everybody else. And the, the contribution to of them had was, was, was huge. Is there any particular team you'd like to play? I mean, it's so it's, it's you know. Whenever like, <laughs> we play, we're going to get a hard game. That's that's the only thing we're guaranteed. Steve, what was the decision to bring on Smith uh, after she got hurt? What was your all in this last year? It was really simple. You know, we'd, we'd hoped to get the ball wide, but the conditions, particularly at the start of the game, made that difficult. Uh, we didn't want to start hitting too many long balls. and We kind of we kind of got bogged down, but we certainly never got a, we never got a break. Uh, I think... There was some confusion. They thought they maybe had a penalty. Uh, we be on the goal line. Um, if it was handball, I don't know if it was. Then that was the only break we got all night because uh, you know the referee never gave us any breaks. You know a linesman's five yards away puts his flag up for handball and the referee plays on. So, every break we got tonight, we walked the socks off for. Um, I think we deserved to win the game. You know, we pushed the envelope. We we got people forward. They defended well for, what, 65, 70 minutes. Uh, They broke well. We always had to be on our toes because, you know, Jockey has... Jockey maybe be end his career, but the guy's got a like fantastic soccer brain, uh, and it's shown particularly in the playoffs. How do you
2: think the guys were getting frustrated when all the things were going against
1: what did you? Say to him at They kind of knew that they just had to keep plugging away. You know, we, I think we've got some some players' with ability, and in games like this it takes this takes something from somebody to, to spark everybody else, and I think that's what happened. I mean, you know, the last goal for Kelly was a fantastic goal, but that doesn't happen unless you know Pepe gets us the first one and you know he he really created that spark when he came on Um, so you know we're absolutely delighted that we're at home but once again we have to take advantage of it you know it's not just because we're at home we don't need to turn off and we get get the the win Uh, we have to put the work in and, and, and play the football the soccer we want to when Cano opens his legs like that and starts running you know there's many people can, can can stay with them, and the finish as well the finish was, was fantastic if Jockey I would finish that I, I would, you know, I'm, I've been putting Jockey in the back for tonight and, uh, the, and last week as well but had uh, that been Jockey we'd all have been uh, slobbering. so it was a fantastic goal
3: that was Revolution Head Coach Steve Nickel on uh, the match last night the pre- post game press conference and now over the phone we have Jim Dow from ResNet.com Jim can you hear me I sure can thanks a lot for joining us today my pleasure and obviously, this playoff format with the two game aggregate series, uh, the past two seasons really seem to work to the advantage of the uh, higher seeded team. Uh, over the eight games the past two years, uh, only once has there been an upset, and that was the Revs. Uh, but this season has been a different story, with uh, three of the games being upsets, the only team, higher seeded team, to come out on top is the Revs. Uh, do you think that there's a problem with the playoff system when that happens, when the regular season teams uh, aren't getting the home field advantage enough to? the wind?
0: I think it's hard to say I mean I think uh, one of the things about the playoffs that's, uh, that's sort of unfair for everybody is you go from a 32 game season to suddenly a two game season and asking players to make that adjustment uh, I think is very difficult um, you know our players uh, because of the way uh, soccer, professional soccer works in this country our players don't play in many knockout tournaments whereas in the rest of the world players play in knockout tournaments at least for the more successful teams all the time the Libertadores Cup the Champions League, the UEFA Cup uh, and all the other different cups that are, that are played around South America uh, to say nothing of Africa and Asia and so forth but our players really don't have that much experience with it except for the Open Cup and so when you suddenly have to change Change gears. I think it's a very it's a very big demand of the players, and it's absolutely no wonder that the experienced players like Aguilar or, or Jorgaif or so forth, uh, you know, really st- suddenly start to stand out in ways that maybe they don't over the the long haul.
3: And we found out today uh, who the Reds will be facing in the conference final will be Chicago, who pulled off a four nothing victory over DC United uh, away after tying the first game at home at zero to zero. I think that was pretty shock to everybody with D.C., how good, how good of a home team they've been. Uh, but Chicago came out with a 3-0 lead at halftime, and then D.C. in the second half quickly went down a man when uh, Christian Gomez got a red card for spinning. So uh, how, how, shock, how surprised are you by that result? And do you think Chicago's a better team for the you facing than D.C. Uh, based on their past
0: Records this season. Well, I think that uh, I, I think that everybody was was surprised. Uh, I mean, DC uh, probably has the biggest home advantage of, of any team in the league in terms of their support and the atmosphere at uh, at the stadium. Um, but it will be interesting um, to hear what some of the reporters, uh, you know, the people who cover uh, United, uh, dig up about uh, dissension within the team. I I, I can't imagine that, that suspending Freddie Adu uh, in the locker room before the first game didn't have some kind of divisive effect on the players I, I, I think probably Novak did the right thing but, but I think that there's more a, a lot more to this than meets the eye uh, Winalda uh, said on TV, I don't know if you were <coughs> listening when he when he said it, but you know, Adu got a really hard tackle uh, fairly early in the, in the second half before the game sort of broke open. And uh, nobody kind of stepped up and Winalda said, uh, isn't that interesting? You know, um, I, I really wonder what's going on down there. They're an awful good team and they have an awful lot of good players. Um, but I'm I'm not sure that, uh, that Freddie's the best thing for that team right now.
3: Yeah, definitely. And then uh, a guy like Christian Gomez is one of their experienced uh, better players who, uh, much talk of the MVP over the past two seasons of one of their better players and he comes in there and spits on another player and gets himself ejected when the team is already down by 3 goals so an experienced guy like that it's surprising to see him do that
0: well let's put it let's put it this way in a lot of the leagues they don't pay a water bill for uh, their uh, you know keeping the pitch uh, wet uh, there's so much spitting that goes on in soccer it's not a good thing i'm i'm totally against it but having watched soccer in other countries there's an awful lot of it that goes on and uh... i mean it was a fabulous camera angle uh... when you saw gomez actually this huge you know sheet of water going out towards uh, was it prudeau i can't remember which the dc defender but it was uh... you know it 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 was a stupid, stupid thing. And Gomez, I don't know if you know this story. I think it's a great story. You know, Gomez was suspended uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he ended up uh, in the D.C. Uh, with the Barra Brava with his own drum. You know, he's that much of a, of a fanatic. Uh, I think he's a very, very special player. Uh, that was a dumb thing for him to do, for sure. But uh, he's a great player and wonderful addition to the league.
3: Yeah, especially right in front of the referee. There, the ref was about five yards away from that play.
0: Well, you know, when the red cloud descends, it descends, and I, and and I think a lot of, you know, one of the things about these playoffs is 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 you you see the level of passion uh, that the teams bring to it. Um, it would be wonderful to have that level of passion uh, from the whole season. It it just makes for not necessarily the most beautiful technical soccer, but really really exciting soccer.
3: And uh, last night, the Western Conference was decided as well. Uh, we found that. Dallas, Colorado is going to be playing at home uh, against Los Angeles. The two lower seeded teams advanced in that final. And the Rebs, and looking ahead to the uh, MLS Cup final, obviously it's too soon to do that, but uh, the Revs haven't had great records against either of these two teams. Um, uh, two ties against Los Angeles in two games, and a tie and a loss against Colorado in a game. So uh, I'm not sure those are necessarily the, the best options there for the Revs where they've had more success against a team like Dallas.
0: Well, I think that's, that's true. Um, it's, it's really hard to say. I mean, remember one of the things about going to Colorado is you're playing at altitude and you're playing on a full-size pitch uh, at altitude. Uh, the way these teams travel in this league, uh, I, I think we, we tend not to uh, realize how much traveling can take out of you. I mean, if you're on a, a four-, six-hour flight, you're changing two time zones, etc. Uh, etc. Et you're moving up and down in, in altitude, uh, you know, that can that can be something. I mean, look at the way it's not as extreme as Mexico City, but look at the way going to the Azteca affects teams. So I think that, uh, you know, uh, playing uh, for the ref to play, say, Colorado uh, on, uh, on Dallas's turf at sea level, let's say, or near sea level, I think that may be a different thing. Although, certainly, uh, Colorado is, is, is physically a very, very good team.
3: And they've been playing a lot better recently as well. No, I don't think anyone expected them to jump over Los Angeles and get that third season in the playoffs, but they made a push at the end and got that. So uh, definitely a team that's been playing better towards the end of the season.
0: Yeah, I think I think the, th- the thing is, uh, at the end of the day, the Revolution uh, are one of the teams in the league now that has a signature style. And when they're in a situation when they can play that style as they were in the second half uh, last night, and that's the first time... Um, in this whole series against the Metro Stars, in you know four halves of football that they've been able to play their signature style. They couldn't do it in the in the first half because they were, you know, Steve Ralston was playing in the snowbank. Uh, I don't know how it looked up from the press box, but from the Ford, it was stu- because we were quite close to him. It was ridiculous. He would get the ball, he'd try to stop it, at the same time he'd try to, uh, you know, maintain his balance, and at the same time, uh, some, you know, MetroStars guy would come thundering in towards him. Uh, it was really a very, very difficult thing. Um, down in New York, it was like playing with a greased, uh, you know, greased ball uh, on on ice with no skates. So. Last night's second half was the first, the first time in the whole series that they really were able to play on a reasonable surface. And I think going down to Dallas, if they make it, or next week even if we have good weather, I think we'll see some really pretty wonderful soccer from the team.
3: Well, I think another part of that as well was uh, there was a lot of talk about the play of Jose Cancela versus uh, Clint Dempsey at attacking midfield. And I thought when they brought in Jose Cancela, he really changed the game. Yeah. Uh, they kept the ball in the MetroStars' half. They were keeping possession, and they were creating better chances. And Canseco went out there and got the goal, and then got the assist on the game tying, uh, on the game tying goal. So I thought he, he had an excellent game last night. And I think there's, the coaches are going to have a t- tough defi- decision come next weekend: who to start.
0: Well, you know, uh, when, when last year I remember Steve Nichols saying that that uh, one of the first things that he does when he sits down with his lineup before a game is he writes down Clint Dempsey's name and then he figures out where he's going to play. And I think uh, it really is true. Clint Dempsey is a fabulous player. Uh, he's had a, a kind of tough patch uh, over the last uh, third of the season, but he really is a fabulous player. It still isn't clear what his best position is. Uh, when you look at players like Hernandez, like Cancelo, like Joseph, uh, you know, those midfielders, Dorman, you know what their best position is. And, uh, somehow one of the things that's gonna, f- this team's gonna have to face in the offseason is defining what their best team is. Uh, right now they've got you know a core of about 16 or 17 really, really good players. I don't know if they can keep all those players. You know, I don't know if the, if the salary structure and the individual ambition of the players and so forth will allow them to do that. But if they do, they really are going to have to make some pretty hard and fast decisions about who plays where and what.
3: Well, in my mind, uh, Clint Dempsey at the start of the season where he was getting most of his points and most of his goals was really playing at a uh, defensive midfielder. And then when they moved into the attacking midfield, he seemed to be trying to create too much, maybe do too much to dribble around too many players, where back then he could more focus on making the late runs into the box and getting on the end of the crosses. So I think that's something they need to consider as well. And also the playoff can't over the past three games, two goals and two, and two assists. So I think he's a player that really needs to get consideration when they're making the starting lineup.
0: Well, you know, I'm I'm a huge Cancela fan. I love his style of football. I think um, his stop and start. Uh, you know, he he really reminds me. He's not a goal scorer, although he did obviously score one of the most important goals in Rev's history last night. But uh, he's not a goal scorer per se. But he reminds me of uh, Claudio Canesia who used to be able to control the 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 speed of the game by taking foul after foul after foul and free kick after free kick after free kick. Just to maintain possession, Cancela uh, does that. Now the thing is, the Revs' style doesn't necessarily match that uh, in terms of being able to uh, keep the ball, uh, you know, keep keep moving with those kinds of starts and stops. But he's just a wonderful player to watch.
3: And the game coming up this weekend, uh, Chicago coming to the Revs Sunday at three o'clock. Uh, what do you expect out of that game, and what's your prediction for that game?
0: Oh boy! Well, I'll tell you. Um, you know, the Chicago that we saw playing against uh, D.C. was the Chicago we saw playing against uh, A.C. Milan this summer. I mean, they were just, uh, they looked like they were the first division team and D.C. was the third division team. Um, I haven't seen Chicago play that well since, since the middle of, you know, since they played that, that uh, exhibition match. If they can continue that, that's, uh, you know, we've, we've got uh, something on our hands. They also have some big, big tall guys in the back. You know, one of the things that um, really was true with this MetroStars series, with all due respect to the MetroStars, because I think they have a core of really good players, their defense is terrible. (laughs) And uh, we, in a way, had no excuse not to score four or five goals a game. Had the conditions been decent um but they weren't and so we didn't but i think going at chicago that's quite another thing jim Curtin and uh, cj brown and those guys are are very very good players and i think it's going to be a much much tougher uh thing to get goals against those guys
3: well i want to wrap things up here and then go on to our next guest patty vine but uh before i let you go how can people see your articles on where can people read your articles and what can people get out of Resnet?
0: Well, Resnet, I think is 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 we're we're basically a fanzine, and between the three or four of us who write for it, we we try to cover the revolution both from their day to day activities, but also kind of commentary. And it's just Resnet dot com, and uh, you know we try to each uh, each of us tries to to post an article at least every couple of weeks, if not if not every week. And I'm going to be writing one this week about about next week's game and sort of about uh, what it was like against the Metro Stars. You know, one thing I do want to say quickly before I go is is we came so close to losing that series. Uh, if, if if we hadn't gotten a goal in the in regulation time the Metro Stars it, were just they were going to score a goal you could see in the last Five to ten minutes, the way they kept coming and coming and coming, because we were down to ten men and had no, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't substitute, um, and we were out a defender. Um, so I think I'm not saying that we were lucky. I think we certainly deserved to win, and all credit to the Revs. But uh, we got to be careful. Uh, you know, this is this is a, this is a tough league now, and Chicago is a really good team.
3: Well, thanks a lot for joining us today, and uh, hopefully I'll see you next week in studio.
0: Absolutely, take care. Good to talk to you, Sean.
3: And uh, now we have uh, Pat Noonan's comments on the game last night. What he thought of the weather, how the weather affected the game, and on home field advantage in the uh, Eastern Conference Final.
2: You know they got to deal with the same conditions, so it wasn't any easier on them. But uh, we you know, we tried to get the ball wide and move it, and uh, you know the weather might have had a little bit to do with it. But at the same time, you got to find a way to win in that kind of weather. You got to be able to adapt. Well, uh, there was plenty of uh, early balls where I kind of I don't know if I gave up on them because I didn't think they would get through. And uh, on that one, I was it just seemed like it might have gotten over his head, and it did, and I was able to get ahead on it and uh, you know sneak it in. To be honest, I didn't expect expect it to go where it did but I'll I'll certainly take it and uh, you know the last two years we've been uh, knocked out in the first uh, you know are in the Eastern Conference so uh, we're we're obviously thrilled to get get through the way we did but uh, now we need to focus on uh, you know DC and Chicago and you know uh, you know what they're going to bring, and uh, and have a good week of training. how important it to have that
3: game at home after having the
2: past year It certainly helps. You know, to be at home, to be uh, comfortable with our fans, and uh, uh, coming off that victory, I think it'll be, you know, definitely a help. But at the same time, it's playoffs, you know, I think you kind of forget about that. They're going, whoever we play is going to come out firing, and we got to match their intensity and you know try to get on it early, uh, get an early goals so we can uh, open up the game.
3: Well, welcome back uh, to Revolution Recap. That was uh, Pat Noonan and his comments on the game last night, and the, the Revs won that game 3-1, to and Pat Noonan scored the game-tying goal. Uh, he had been out for a few weeks with uh, injury, and he didn't look that great in the, med- in the first game of the series, but last night he uh, was really involved in the game. Uh, and now joining us over the phone, we have Patty Vine of Providence Sports. Patty, can you hear me?
5: Yes, I can, Sean. Uh, good evening to all the listeners.
3: Thanks a lot for joining me today.
5: Well, Sean, I'm really only uh, one for four. I would have picked the Revolution, uh, but I uh, certainly was surprised by the results of the Chicago uh, route of D.C. United. Uh, also surprised by the Rapids uh, eliminating FC Dallas and Galaxy. Of course, they had a big advantage going into the game against the Quakes, but with the Quakes finishing number one in the Western Conference, I thought they would have done a lot better. And so I would have picked the Quakes versus Dallas. So I'm only one for four. So a little disappointed. However, uh, Chicago was playing a fabulous game. I only got to see the first half. And uh, the goal that was scored by Ivan Guerrero, I'm not sure who scored the fourth goal for Chicago, but it was certainly a route surprising in, in their home uh, in Washington. Uh, so I guess I'm quite kind of in, not. not yeah. We were even quite shocked about the revolution finish that went down to the wire last night.
3: Yeah, definitely. Was, I think I, I don't think you're alone in saying that uh, you got three of the four wrong and who was going to advance. Uh, that Colorado game especially was surprising. Uh, Colorado went down uh, a man and then Dallas tied up the game and then sco- t- and then scored uh, the goal to take the lead in overtime. And then uh, Colorado came back down a man and tied up that game. And then Carlos Ruiz had a chance to win it for Dallas late, and uh, he missed the penalty kick. So. Uh, definitely some exciting games over the weekend and some great results.
5: Well, I think that uh, Guatemala is uh, kind of sad today over Carlos Ruiz missing that penalty kick, which obviously would have put uh, pretty much put Dallas into the uh, final of the Western Conference. But then again, uh, Ivan Guerrero uh, is Honduran, and I'm sure they that whole country, which follows the sport, even though there'll be just one player from representative obviously from the country, his two goals uh, today for Chicago were uh, just spectacular. So we have a, a Central American connection kind of um, happy, sad type uh, deal going. Uh, they're neighboring countries, but Carlos Ruiz, I don't know. Uh, he had a fabulous game based on, you know, the shots on goal. I think he had uh, 11 shots on goal. Joe Cannon had 12 saves. So I think uh, Carlos Ruiz is probably very disappointed today about that, uh, missing that penalty kick.
3: And, and then in the game today, uh, Chicago, uh, D.C., uh, it's a shock result to see Chicago up 3 nothing at halftime. And then uh, Christian Gomez spitting on a, a D.C. player and getting ejected for that. Uh, another surprising thing to see a player uh, with his experience doing that. and uh, It was really a surprising result to see D.C., who have such a great home field advantage and have been such a great home uh, home team, lose to Chicago at home.
5: Exactly, but in a way, it, they have four MLS Cups. and um, I'm happy that another MLS team will be winning the Cup, hopefully New England Revolution, which I don't know what you feel... Sean, but I think they will be facing Galaxy in the final, uh, in two weeks.
3: Well, I'm going to disagree with you there. I think uh, the way Colorado's been playing in the end of the season and the home field advantage they have uh, with the altitude there, uh, L.A. has failed to score on them in the two games, and Colorado has won uh, both of the two games at home against Los Angeles. So I think they have a big advantage there at home. So I I think if the Revs do advance, which I think they have a great chance of doing, I think it will likely be against Colorado.
5: And that will make for an interesting matchup, obviously. The two teams that have
3: never won MLS Cup before as well.
5: Exactly. Two teams never having won the MLS Cup. It's good for the league as well to have that uh, final, to have a new MLS Cup winner, because the league from the beginning has never wanted to have one team such as D.C. United win four Cups in ten years. That was, you know, they created a dynasty but the, uh, the format of MLS was so that one team would not dominate, so we would have uh, even distribution of salaries, et cetera. Well, that yes. and been the, the management concept. Is that how you would interpret it too, Sean?
3: Yeah, definitely. I think it worked that way too because D.C. was really the dominant team for uh, the first three or four years of the league and winning three out of the first four. Uh, but then after that, they failed to make the playoffs the next couple of years, and now they're finally being able to build back to the team they were. I think they lost a lot of the players because uh, some of their better players wanted more money. They couldn't afford it under the cap. So I think the league has worked that way, and I do think that's good for the league.
5: Well, we have two awards coming up this week, and I certainly hope that Steve Nichols does get Coach of the Year. Uh, he's competing against Dominic Kinnear of the Earthquakes and Peter Novak of D.C., two other great uh, candidates but based on what's happened of course I think the voting has already uh, the voting has been in close for a while uh, Steve Nichols definitely deserves to win coach of the year
3: definitely if you look at the regular season I think uh, what Dominic Kinnear had, had to go up to with, with all the players they lost in the off season uh, I, think, I think it would have gone to him but uh, the, the awards are voted on in the regular season so odds are probably will end up with him but if you look at the playoffs I don't think there's much of a question that uh, it would go to Steve Nickel.
5: No question. Would everyone were everyone to vote today? Of course, Steve Nickel would be the coach of the year in MLS. And rookie of the year, we we both feel Michael Parkhurst is one of the most deserving candidates. However, I, Chris Rolfe had a good game today uh, in Chicago for Chicago Fire, I should say, in Washington against DC United. So. Uh, What is your pick for uh, Rookie of the Year? Do
3: you have one? Well, I think it's got to go to Michael Parkhurst. Uh, It seemed like Scott Scott Steele was making a a push to be Rookie of the Year, but then he really lost the starting spot at the end of the season and uh, when it came time for the playoffs and the stretch run when the team needed the wins. So I, I think that really should count him out when you see a guy like Parkhurst who's played every game of the season and every minute of every game. Um, I think you really gotta, I really think you can't look past him. obviously Chris Roth has had a good season uh, he doesn't have as many goals as Sealy during the regular season either though and he's played 29 games 20, 21 starts but he's also a player that's seen a lot of time off the bench as well, not just starting so I think you really got to look at the player like Parker's who's been consistent the whole season and's been a great player for the team and
5: from Cranston Rhode Island that, that makes it even more special because he has local talent that revolution uh, has has uh, recruited and has had an unbelievable season with the team.
3: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But um, I'm going to wrap things up here and go on to our next guest, Frank DeLappa. But before I go, what is your prediction for uh, the game coming up, uh, the Revs versus Chicago?
5: I think Revs versus Chicago, we have definitely got the advantage playing at Foxborough, and I definitely think Revolution's going to win it. Well, no thanks. doubt.
3: Yeah, I, I would agree with you on there because uh, the Rebs have played so well against Chicago this season and Chicago hasn't scored in the Reds at home. I was talking about that earlier with Jim Dow. Uh, they've had a better record against Chicago than they have against D.C. this season with six goals for, one goal against, and that goal uh, was without Shari Joseph for their MVP this season. So I, I do think it looks good for the Reds.
5: But it will be. It will be a fight to the finish. It will be an unbelievable game. I think uh, we, we saw a great game yesterday. I think this one will be even better.
3: And hopefully better Sunday weather. 3 p.m and hopefully better weather.
5: Better weather, too.
3: Well, thanks a lot for joining us today.
5: Thank you, Sean. Uh,
3: that was Patty Vine of Providence Sports. And uh was we talking earlier, with, we played the comments of Pat Noonan, and now we have the other goal scorer, Connell Smith, who scored the game winning goal. And his thoughts on the game, this uh, possible injury, and, and the playing in that kind of weather conditions. It
6: wasn't, wasn't going for us. I mean, Clint hit the post. We had a couple right. things, you know. Yeah. He hit the post, and they come right back to yeah. score. Yeah, definitely so. I mean, I mean it's, it's double. We just just kept fighting. You know, that's the spirit of the team that we never gave up. Now we could have gave up and said, you know, this just ain't our night. But we didn't let it happen. It's probably why I think stopped going for us towards the end. What happened on that play that you got hurt? Um, I just yeah. joked, kind of easy, you know, just fell on my leg. When were you able to walk on it? I mean, you seemed to be really hurt out there. You had to get the stretchers So when was it? When I got back in there, I was you know, able to walk on it now. But uh, I feel a little bit in there. So I think I just strained something underneath. Maybe it's not as bad as first but, you think we your performance today, I mean, if you are healthy, you could get a starting spot next week because of what happened. You said you guys, the guys on the bench are trying to prove a point. Did you prove a point to him tonight? Yeah. No, I just want to help the team win. It's not about proving a point to the coach. I just want to help the team win. Was that your first time out uh, playing out in the game during the snow? No, I played in, in Blizzard in college as well, so not used to it by any means, but you know, I've been in that situation. And how does the snow affect the way you play the game? It doesn't change too much. I mean, the conditions, you have to concentrate a little bit more. You know, the it's, ball, It's getting real fast off the surfaces. Of it. You the to concentrate a little bit more. It, really
3: the it seemed a few times uh, players stopped uh, on runs where the ball ended up stopping and landing a place where maybe they could have gotten it. Uh, was that something that has a match? Rob uh, ran on and You got more used to uh, running after every ball, even you thought you
6: maybe you didn't have a chance at it. Well, in the first half, you know the ball was sticking a lot more because there was a lot more snow on the ground. By now, you know,
2: towards
6: the end of the second half, the snow was gone too, and the ball was, was getting a lot faster over the
3: turf. Uh, that was uh, Revolution goal scorer Connell Smith who scored the game-winning goal last night, uh, and he's been a substitute that's come off the bench and really made a difference in the recent weeks. Uh, now we have a uh, Revolution writer for the Boston Globe, Frank can you Frankie Harry.
7: Yeah, I'm good. I hear you. I hear you fine, Sean. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Sure, thanks. Good to be with you.
3: And the the result last night, obviously the revs down uh, two two to nothing late in that game, and came back to win it three to two uh, on aggregate uh, in regulation time. Were you a bit surprised that they were able to pull it out and get that win in regulation time without having to force overtime?
7: Yeah, I was a little surprised. It wasn't looking too good, but it just shows that uh, you know offensive uh, play is, is being rewarded, even though uh, you know it went down to uh, you know some doubt about it at some point, but. Uh, MetroStars, Stars they just played defense and counterattack the whole time, and the uh, Revolution tried to attack. And uh, you know, sometimes you know, you can get frustrated, and that and just doesn't happen. But uh, you know, it did happen. I think the key was bringing in uh, uh, Jose Concella, and they really changed the game a little bit, and that that was the key.
3: And referee uh, Brian Hall didn't have a great game last week either. Uh, he he called the mystery foul on a Chad Barrett goal for Chicago, and he also missed the penalty kick that looked pretty obvious on a slide toggle from the side on Jaime Moreno in the box. And then this week he missed a blatant handball from Jeff Agus that his linesman pointed out to him, and he waved him off there. And then he also missed a shirt tug on Pat Noonan as he was running on what seemed like it might have been a breakaway. Uh, What did you think of of how uh, Brian Hall ref the game, and is he really the best ref this country has, uh, getting him official of the year? Yeah,
7: good question. I I, I don't know who the best referee is, but he, he might well be. Uh, I think he did have a little problem in this game. I didn't see the whole Chicago D.C. game, though. Uh, certainly, uh, spotlight was on him on a couple of those calls, big time. And uh, uh, I, I just think that I think the referee changes a little bit in the playoffs when there's something at stake. And I'm not sure it's right, but but it just seems to change. And uh, you know, I I don't know uh, if it's if it's right or wrong. I think uh, and remember the best referee in the U.S. And really, the guy that, uh, you know, in, in the last few years that set the tone here was Essie Baharmas. And he called it an extremely controversial penalty in the World Cup, uh, Norway against Brazil, that nobody saw except for him. And and then I think Swedish television it, it captured it, you know, somebody with like a handheld camera or something, showed it the next day. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, Essie was, was not afraid to make those calls. And I don't know why in this country now we've gone to guys that aren't calling anything, you know. Uh, it you know, was clear. I, I thought it was a handball too, and uh, you know the linesman put the put the flag up. So I, I just think the mentality's changed. I'm
2: not sure why.
3: Well, well, I question why uh, you see the linesman put his why the referee could see the linesman put his hand up like that. Uh, obviously, the linesman was only about five yards away from the play and uh, a much better position than Brian Hall was. I, I question why he made the decision on to, not to wave that off when he was in a worse position than the linesman was. Obviously, in that case, and, and it was surprising that a referee who has been doing as long as him would do that.
7: Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think Brian probably had a good look at it. I think he knew what happened. Um, you know, I just think that uh, maybe he just decided not to make the call. It really reminded me of a play, again, in that 98 World Cup where uh, Roberto Baggio put, put a ball off uh, the hand of a Chilean defender exactly the same way. It was a penalty. I mean, you know, it was just a penalty. And, you know, I think Eagles knew what he was doing. Um, he didn't reach his hand out to touch the ball or anything. Uh, what you'd call blatant but he knew what he was doing, and uh, you just can't you can't touch the ball with the hand in the penalty area. You can't put your hands in a position like that, so uh, um, yeah, I think Brian Hall probably had a good look at it. He just decided not to call it, and why, I don't
3: know. In Chicago today, obviously pulling off the shock win over D.C. Uh, on the road. They, they seem to be playing some good soccer. Uh, I'm lucky not to get a win last week, as I mentioned, with that call from Brian Hall that ruled off a goal, and their team that's come out on the roll, the Reds have obviously had success against them this season with a three-and-one record against them and six-and-one on, on goals against them. Uh, the only game they lost was without their MVP, Shari Joseph, but h- how do you see that matchup playing out, and what do you think are, are the keys to that matchup for the Yeah,
7: That was a real surprise. Uh, I agree. I think, uh, you know, four to nothing in D.C., uh, D.C., uh, just didn't look like they showed up uh, the way they, they usually do at home, and uh, very much a surprise. So I think Chicago, know, uh, I, I give D.C. credit, too, for most of the season, and the revolution, those three teams, they the only teams in the league that really played offensively, you know, from the opening kickoff and weren't afraid to go at teams. So Chicago uh, Revolution should be a good matchup. Uh, I thought I was impressed with Chicago in every game that they played with the Revolution. I thought they attacked. They had good attacking players, and uh, I think that's why they beat T C. They weren't afraid of them. They attacked and uh, got rewarded for it. You know, they played offense, or passed the ball very well. Uh, they tried to do the same thing against the Revolution, and they were never really able to do it. A little bit better in Chicago, I, I guess, uh, like you mentioned with Shelly Joseph out uh, there, they were able to do a little bit more of it. Uh, it was only a one nothing game, but but every time Chicago's really, uh, they, you know, I think uh, Dave Saracen, the coach, is really just, he, he's, uh, you know, he likes to bring in offensive players. So uh, the key matchups, I, I think the Revolution is just, I think they play pretty similar games. I just think the Revolution is a little bit better at it. That their defense, Revolution defense, is a little more mobile and uh, quicker. And and I think that is the key, really, right there. Um, That's the difference, the major difference in the teams. And
3: and you mentioned earlier uh, the play of Jose Cancel and the change uh, he brought to the game when he came in. Uh, How how important do you think it was, that substitution? And do you think he might see a start uh, next weekend? I think
7: he's going to be considered. I think they've. They like him, you know, it's a different setup now. You could go uh, overtime. That game came very close to going, um, you know, 129 minutes because with, you know, nine minutes of injury time and you had 30 uh, minutes of possible over, you know, extra time there, you know, with them. So I think they like nothing as a sub, you know. Uh, they think he can go. For some reason, I don't think they don't like him to go 90 minutes, I think. Uh, but, you know, uh, they'd like to bring him off the bench, and I think that'll
3: probably happen again. Well, thanks a lot for uh, joining us today, and uh, keep up the good work on the articles in the Boston Globe and uh, ESPN SoccerNet.
7: Okay, Sean, good talking to you as
3: usual. Thanks a lot. That was uh, Frank DeLapper from the Boston Globe, and now we have comments last night of Michael Parker, as you mentioned earlier. is a big candidate for Rookie of the Year, and uh, what he thought of getting that win and how important it was for the team. You know, if we had lost tonight, it would have been a huge disappointment. You know, we felt like we put ourselves in the best position
0: possible in order to get to the cup. And if we didn't pull this out, you know, it would have been a huge disappointment in front of our home crowd.
3: That was uh, Revolution defender Michael Parkers uh, on the win last night. Michael Parkers, as we mentioned earlier, was the main candidate of Rookie of the Year. And uh, looking at the awards now, the, the awards that have already been announced are obviously Taylor Twom getting the Golden Boot, Pat Onset getting Goalie of the Year, just edging it over Matt Reese. Matt Reese winning that uh, um, as far as the player vote, but uh, the media and coaches made that go to Pat He Had a great season. I think both of them had a great season and deserved recognition. Uh, the award to be, yet to be announced, uh, Rookie of the Year, MVP. I think Twelman has a great shot at MVP, and I think Michael Parker really really deserves the, to win the uh, Rookie of the Year because the way he's been playing, I mentioned earlier, a guy like Scott Sealy was taken out of the lineup for the stretch run, and a guy like Chris Rolfe ha- hasn't started every game of the season. A guy like Parker is has been the key to the Revs' defense, and really the only change they made from last season, where they've gone to a first-place team. To a, when they got from a team that just had to win the last game of the season to make the playoffs to a team that's first place in the league. And uh, joining us now over the phone, we have uh, Revolution fan David Yellup. Dave, can you hear me?
8: Yeah. How's it going tonight?
3: Great. Uh, how are you?
8: Oh, I'm still recovering from last night. I mean, talk about a, a game that can change in just a, an instant. And that's what it was. I mean. When Cancela uh, came on late in the second half, you know, he's, and the Metro's uh, made it two nothing, he said, "That's it, the season's over." But you can't give up on these guys. They they year the whole year through, they have never given up, and that was the reason why that they uh, came through with the three goals in, in the second half to advance to next week's game.
3: Well, that, that was certainly a good point. They had the the shot for the penalty kick, which I thought was a pretty clear penalty kick. And, and then uh, Clint Dempsey had a shot that rings out the post, and the Metro's go right down the other end and score. Uh, to take a 2-0 two, two lead in that, but the team didn't give up. Uh, I thought Steve Nichols made the right move in subbing Canceli. He goes in, uh, scores the goal to get them right back in it, and then gets the assist on Pat Noonan's goal. And he's a player that really made a big difference in that game.
8: Right, and all year, you know, you've you kind of heard whispers that, uh, uh, you know, there's a breakdown in communications and what they expect of uh, Jose and what's going on, but, I mean, well, Nickel knew that he had to have some defense, some offense, excuse me, that Hernandez and Joey Franchino, who was substituted at the same time, were not going to get the revs anywhere near uh, coming back in that. So what he did is he brought on a couple players who had more offensive potential, and Jose Cancela is definitely a player with a lot of offensive potential. And uh, Jose comes on, and just a couple minutes after he comes on, uh, beats like three or four uh, Metro Star players and scores the goal that sparks the comeback.
3: And a guy like him has been playing so well recently, with the two goals and the two assists in the past two games. Uh, I think that they have hard decisions to make coming up in the match. Where that one, that being one of them, and also Cono Smith, of Marshall Leonard's healthy, who plays there with the way Cono Smith's been playing. So uh, it's some good good options to have these options, but it's also tough in the playoff time to make decisions like that and possibly make some lineup changes.
8: Right, and left side of midfield is going to be a problem because there, um, there is constant rumor now that uh, Kano Smith's season is over, that he really tweaked the knee when uh, Guevara rolled up on him late in the game. So if Leonard's out and Kano Smith's out, we really have a issue on the left side where we need to uh, uh, find somebody quickly to play it. But it's going to be a great game. Um, the fire definitely are worthy opponent. I mean, the beating they put on D.C. in D.C. tonight was just unbelievable to watch. It, 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 it beggared description. Uh, but, you know, hopefully we'll have a lot of Rebs fans there cheering their heads off and uh, making Gillette a very loud place on uh, Sunday afternoon to really fire up the team because they, they feed off the fans. They really do.
3: And you mentioned the, prop, the issues that uh, the left wing of Marshall and Conor Smith are both out. Uh, a couple options there they could use are Ricardo Phillips or James Riley. Uh, if it was up to you, who would you like to see in that lineup, and um, why would you choose that player?
8: Well, I, I'd really go off the board here. I'd move Ralston over to the left side, which he can do. He's not natural over there, but he can do, and put in Ricardo Phillips on the right side because Phillips is one of those is the player not as tall as Conor Smith, but he's got a real good engine. And he's decent at crosses, and one of things we can do against Chicago is get, get upfield, get the cross in, and hopefully find Taylor Twelman. you know, because Twellman has been starved of service uh, for the last four or five games. And we need somebody who can make runs on the sideline, uh, get the ball over the middle, and get it to Twellman to finish off.
3: Well, thanks a lot for joining us today, and uh, hopefully the Reds will pull off the win next weekend.
8: Hey, I'll be there cheering my head off for everybody, uh, uh, one game away from MLS Cup 2005.
3: Yeah, hopefully we can get a lot of fans out for that game. Again, that game is uh, Sunday at 3 o'clock p.m. Um, uh, it will be available on ESPN, too, but tickets are uh, obviously still available, and it will be a great game to go to uh, the Eastern Conference Final here, right here at Gillette Stadium. Uh, the the revs have been in it the past two years, but both of those games have been away. Uh, definitely the last game at Gillette this season, so if you haven't seen the Revs yet, uh, they've been playing great soccer, and it will be a great time to go see them. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone for joining us today. I'd like to thank uh, David Jellup, Jim Dow, Frank DeLapa, Don Cuddy, and Patty Vine for uh, coming on over the phone today. Uh, I'd like to remind everyone that the archives of the show are available at RevolutionRecap.com. Uh, the show can be heard every Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m., and you can get your latest Revs news at AnyRebs.com. Thanks for joining us today.